You are the first of your kind, but you're not invulnerable. Maybe next time you can design me better. Everyone around me, they feel connected to something. Connected to something I'm not. I don't know who to trust. You trust me, right? I know I have a past. I'll find out who I was. Hello and welcome to Deja Vu, the Ithacan's weekly reviews podcast. I'm reviews editor Jake Leary, and I'm here today with Patrick Pinney. Before we start our show, I just want to apologize for the technical issues with last week's show. We were working a few things out, but we're uh, moving along now a little bit better. Um, And we're here today to talk about Ghost in the Shell. And Patrick, I know you're very knowledgeable on this subject matter, so I thought you'd be... Well, give yourself a little bit more credit. I thought it would be good to bring you in. You wrote the review for The Ithacan. Um, You talked a lot about it. And we are going to talk about the whitewashing controversy, but we're going to save that for topic two because that's a bull to tackle by the horns, and we want to give it the full time I think it deserves. (laughs) Yeah, that's a big part of it, but we're going to get there. So right off the bat, tell me a little bit about Ghost in the Shell. And I mean this movie, and I mean the past movies as well. Okay, so Ghost in the Shell originally started as a manga created by, I have his name here, das, um, uh, Masamune Shiro. I apologize if I mispronounced that. And I've read a few chapters of it, and a lot of people are thrown off when they read the manga because the manga is not at all like the 1999 fil- uh, 1995 film because it's essentially a much more lighthearted um, sort of poli- political satire of, uh, of police... Uh, forces and it's set in a futuristic city uh, metropolis and it does introduce a a lot of the in-universe elements that later installments of the franchise would use Uh, essentially it takes place in a uh, cyberpunk future in which uh, cybernetic uh, augmentation has become a very mainstreamed uh, practice Uh, large portions of the population have augmented their bodies now when most people talk about Ghost in the Shell, they're talking about the 1995 film uh, directed by Mamoru Oshii. And this film uh, is a huge departure from the manga because the film, uh, most of the political satire is done in a comedic fashion in the manga, whereas with uh, the film, it's a, not so much concerned with politics, it's concerned with philosophical ideas about consciousness and uh, individuality. And the film itself, I will actually say, is not perfect. Um, It is a masterpiece in many ways, but it does actually have long, verbose spouts of philosophical um, dialogue, which doesn't come off natural at certain points. To give you an idea, it's the film that inspired The Matrix. So although both great films, they do you can clearly see they came they're cut from the same cloth. So one of the things about problem main problems I have with the film is that it see it wants to incorporate as many of these references as possible, which you would think I would like, but 
actually it really detracts from being its own original story. And once you take out all the references to everything I just listed, in addition to like even some things like the Orise uh, OVA series, which I haven't mentioned, it, it just becomes distracting. And when you take all of that away, you're left with a very boring and generic, typical Hollywood action amnesia film, which at least with each iteration of Ghost in the Shell, they've always tried to dive into some form of philosophical or um, political debate amongst humans. Whereas with this uh, this film, it's uh, just a typical uh, amnesia film. It feels that way. I'm somebody who has no connection with Ghost in the Shell. I know of it as an anime touchstone, but I've never actually seen any of it. So when I watched the movie, all I saw was the hollowness that was there, that it was, it is such a trite Hollywood property. And there is an attempt to do that philosophical sci-fi, but in the lazy way where it's present just for the sake of being there and being something to point to as like, look, we're doing something interesting. We're being relevant. Look, we're going to talk about something cool. But there are so many movies that do that better and actually have something to say instead of this kind of half-baked version of it. I agree. And the thing about the film is I'm not really spoiling anything when I say this because it's basically all stated in the film, but essentially it turns out the major, her name at least is not uh, Matoko Kusanagi, so it's usually ju- she's usually just referred to as the major, has her memory stolen and she's essentially a blank uh, slate who doesn't, and, who doesn't know who she is, and the entire arc of the film is just her fi- uh, finding out who she is and when she finds that out, that's it. Uh, we like there, there's no personal character growth of her. It's she doesn't she feels lonely and without any human connection, and in her uh, with a cybernetic body that can't uh, feel the sensation of touch. And then once she makes some personal connections with her past, then she finds herself. And there's there's nothing really to grasp on. Well, describing that plot synopsis there is potential there but it does so in this very by the numbers manner and there's also a lack of character there and that was another thing that that bothered me as you know an uninitiated viewer there are all these people who i don't care about and i'm never given a reason to care about and that's supposed to be the crux of the movie but it doesn't work well to give also another example uh the born identity which is the uh is kind of a film that a lot of other films have kind of ripped off or taken homage to, if you like that term more politely, is the, uh, at the very least, uh, the ca- the audience sympathizes with Jason Bourne and we connect with him. Whereas with uh, Scarlett Johansson's performance, she the dialogue is really stale. Uh, her She doesn't have any characteristics. Whereas in the other installments of the franchise, the major actually is a very well-developed character uh often very stoic but also very uh playful and it also depends which iteration because each iteration has a slightly different characteristic uh characterization but and i'm fine with if the film wanted to go in a different direction with her character but there is no character (laughs) there's nothing there (laughs) which is very indicative of this movie as a whole it's very ironic given the subject matter of this movie that it's about you know, finding a personality, but the film itself doesn't have a personality. There is an attempt there, and I think the sci-fi aesthetic is a little bit, is a part of that. 
um, where it, it does an admirable job of creating this weird looking sci-fi world that has these holographic ads projected into 3D space and there's a lot of VR in the background that's very relevant to now but there are also these slums like it it does set up a complex world that just doesn't do anything with it and it doesn't populate it with genuine characters and believable stories. So we're going to take a quick break. We're going to be right back to tackle the ever complex issue of whitewashing in Hollywood. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. And we're back. We're going to talk about whitewashing in Hollywood. And I just want to warn you all out there, though the trailer for this movie spoils a ton, We are going to be talking about a plot point that may be considered a spoiler. So if you really feel the desperate need to go into Ghost in the Shell completely blind, turn this show off, save it for later, come back after. We'll still be here. You can still find us. And with that, I want to dive right in. I want to start with Ghost in the Shell because that is the genesis for this conversation. I think this movie is the best unintentional metaphor for whitewashing in Hollywood anybody could have asked for. Because the film is about, as we've discussed, a woman who is in an accident, or so she's told. She is then given a fully robotic body, and that body is Scarlett Johansson. And by all indications at the beginning of the movie, we believe that Scarlett Johansson was in an accident, and then she was given a body that looks identical. But that is not the case. Um, She was a Japanese woman who, who was then put into a white body. That is whitewashing in a nutshell and this movie is rightfully coming under fire for it because i can't think of a more ridiculous example of this there's no reason for that to happen it's set in an asian city i don't believe they ever specify which one they but don't. it's very clearly an asian city there are very clearly asian cultural influences and they take an asian character and make her into a white woman that's an absurd absurd thing and there are more complexities to this issue and i know that you are coming at this from a different angle so i want to hear i want to hear what you're thinking on this so i kind of tried to avoid this topic as much in the review because i can't simply give an answer as to it is or isn't whitewashing is a problem in hollywood and it's really complicated when you get into this film because the philosophy of the film is about the not only the absurdity of the body but in the case of the 1990 film it actually dives into the absurdity of the mind the idea of consciousness and that there might not be anything sacred about human individuality but that's a bit of a tangent so the the film itself is about uh, human transcendence. There is a bit of a problem. There is a problem, definitely, with getting uh, mainstream Asian uh, actors and actresses into into Hollywood. And the justification most of the time for why they will not cast an Asian uh, character for a lead role is simply we don't know any mainstream uh, Asian actors or actresses that have a big enough name to carry a film. And Hollywood, since its genesis, has always relied on the star system. And, you know, the reason they chose Scarlett Johansson was because she's a big name and she can sell tickets on her name alone. And you create a self-fulfilling prophecy if you never promote an Asian uh, lead. Of course, you can come up with the excuse that you can never uh, find any Asian uh, actors or actresses with a big enough name if you never promote one. There's that. This is where I actually come in a bit of an opposition of the claim towards whitewashing is the film is not 
a Japanese film culturally. And what I mean by that is Momoro Oshii certainly made Ghost in the Shell, uh, an adaptation of the original manga within the setting of Japan. Uh, there are, from a uh, directing standpoint, there are certainly Japanese influences. For example, uh, uh, Japanese filmmakers usually use a lot of establishing shots to set up a scene. And that's actually more of a trend of uh, Eastern uh, cinema in general. But the story of Ghost in the Shell is about uh, humanity in general. It's about a general conflict of a body and soul um, dilemma. And I don't understand some of the backlash towards the film that claim that uh, Major Kusanagi is ethnically Japanese and there's no getting around that in the sense that we don't like in terms of her origin we actually don't even know if she's ethnically Japanese we don't we don't uh, know if because her body is 100% cybernetic in uh, the other iterations even just look at this movie and think about it from that standpoint you have a character who was Japanese or or of Asian descent and they make her they make her into a white person when I was in the theater, I was mostly bored with this film because it's, again, not interesting at all. But when they gave that revelation, and they actually, and there was also a lot of controversy that they changed her name to, I think it was Maria, it turns out her Japanese name is Motoko Kusanagi, so that was a bit of an interesting revelation to me. And I found myself invested more in the movie because I'm like, oh, wow, this adds a whole new layer. There is in-universe whitewashing. And the thing about the film is that Rupert Sanders, he doesn't really seem to get any of it. Like, when he described uh, the film and he tried to justify casting Scarlett Johansson, he said, um, well, she doesn't really have a nationality. Our character is not really meant to represent any nationality or ethnicity. But then in the film, it turns out she's Japanese. So honestly, I don't think he even really knew what he was doing when he casted Scarlett Johansson. So here's more or less my not really defense of her casting, but more of a pragmatic argument for why I think journalists need to let some cases of this go. And I'll give an example of a recent film, uh, The Great Wall. It stars Matt Damon in ancient China, and he wears a ponytail and he looks really stupid. However, the debate gets a little bit more interesting because it's directed by a Chinese uh, director, and the cast is, with the exception of, I think, Willem Dafoe and one other person, entirely Asian, uh, is full of Asian actors and actresses who are big in Asia and is directed by a Chinese man and would have been a great merging of in, of a Western and Eastern film and brought Eastern filmmakers and actors to America. And I remember at the Oscars, they were riffing on the film and calling it, you know, racist. And it's like, but that was a Chinese man's decision to cast Matt Damon in it because he wanted to get the Western audience on his film. Then um, people at the Oscars or journalists who accuse the film of whitewashing sink the ship and say, this is an example of whitewashing, destroy this, it's abhorrent. Well, now you just, you prevented um, this director and all of these supporting actors and actresses from getting a name into Hollywood. And I actually think if you don't look at the issue more complexly, you end up preventing these uh, actors and actresses from getting into Hollywood. There were more Asian actors and actresses within Ghost in the Shell than your average Hollywood film, and not just ethnically Asian, but also from Japan or from China. But there really weren't. The The main character isn't. The villain isn't. Her The main character's best friend isn't. And most of the people on her squad aren't. And there, there shouldn't be a diversity quota in Hollywood, but there also has some to be... Some would argue with you. Oh, I know some people would argue with me, and I'd argue right back because I think that idea is absurd and it infuriates me. But 
something like this is also ridiculous where there is no justifiable reason. I don't, the economics, you can't say the economics don't matter, but come on. Like this is 2017. These, there's no reason to have something as absurd as Ghost in the Shell go by like this. I'm not going to see this movie because Scarlett Johansson's in it. You know, the, this movie is no better because Scarlett Johansson is in it and it becomes almost laughably bad because she is. I agree. And I, if I've made it clear, I don't like this film. And to people who would say, you know, why don't we have a Japanese version of the film? I'd say, go watch the Japanese film. It's amazing. The problem is it's just with mainstream Hollywood in general, a lot of people will write articles uh, bashing whitewashing, which, yeah, it's, it's justified to do so, but they don't go out and see films necessarily that actually promote uh, Asian ethnicity. And the truth is the names in Hollywood is what sells the thing. So, yeah, it's really ridiculous to see Matt Damon in a ponytail, but that's also what gets it to Hollywood in theory. I'm not saying I actually like that method, but from what I've seen from mainstream Hollywood, it does seem like at the very least it could spawn a future in which we have more ethnically diverse uh, casting. But Ghost in the Shell doesn't do that. A lot the the examples of whitewashing don't do that. They actually detract from that because you have again in Ghost in the Shell you have a literal Asian character being turned into a white person. In other films, um, I think A Beautiful Mind it was based on a real person, um, based on real people, and one of the characters who was of Asian descent yeah, was played by ugh. Jessica Connolly. Like you have things like that and they, they detract from that. They prevent that from happening. It's not using a famous person as a masthead or as a figurehead to actually get these films seen. It's taking people who should be portrayed by by Asian people or by Native Americans or somebody who is actually of that ethnicity and preventing them from being able to do that. Mm. It's it's a problem. You know, Johnny Depp in Lone Ranger, there's no reason for that. You know, it doesn't make sense. And it's very indicative of a lot of what we've seen in Hollywood and a lot of what we've seen in the last year. Um, we're seeing it now with this new adaptation of Death Note um, that's being Americanized. And that's a more complicated issue, but it's there. We've seen it with Tilda Swinton in Doctor Strange. Mm. Well, um, here's the other and, thing. Uh, it's funny you bring those up. It's Again, these are other examples where I feel like the journalists, it's, they're, they're not wrong for talking about it, but I feel like they didn't address what was actually going on. For example, with Tilda Swinson and Doctor Strange, the reason they changed her from to, uh, to a female Tibetan oh, I, I know. Tibetan the... was to appeal to the Chinese market. So again, there's another, there's another layer and there's another uh, layer of complication to that. And I'm sort of commenting on the journalists I've seen, if they don't document the issue and what's going on in the issue, they end up directing their anger in the wrong direction because, yeah, Matt Damon in a ponytail was really stupid. But at the very least, the film is very much The Great Wall was an international film with a Chinese director and had a great large Asian cast. And I feel like it's hypocritical to out of obligation not see the film because of whitewashing. I think we're going to talk each other in circles. Yes. But I think it's important to get out there and I'm sure this will come up again. I want to thank you, Patrick, for sitting down with me today. Thank you. Yeah, it was, it was I think, a good discussion. Um, but that's going to do it for this week. For Deja Vu, I'm Jake Leary. Thank you for listening. Mm-hmm.